how to dream, cowboys. Welcome back to the HBO Boys. We are continuing our recap and review of Barry Seasons 1 and 2 in preparation for the upcoming Barry Season 3. Today we're talking about Barry Season 1, Episode 4, Commit to You. Written and directed uh, by Bill Hader. That's not true. We just gloss over that. I'm, I'm James. To, no, no, okay. <laughs> no, I will not let you gloss over this one this one time because this episode was directed by Bill Hader's ex-wife, Maggie Carey, a prolific TV director and who had already been divorced to him. So, you know. Awkward. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, do you think you knew when he was hiring her? He was like, oh, man, hopefully the divorce proceedings are prior to us shooting. Anyway. That is why you don't gloss over director James. It could have long lost loves within it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I remember when uh, they were doing Harmon Quest, which was Dan Harmon's like live D and D role playing show. Yeah, he, one of the <laughs> other hosts was his wife, and then they got divorced, and then they did season three as a divorced couple. It turns out, uh, not as good. <laughs> no, hurts the chemistry a little. <laughs> yeah, when there's hatred, uh, a seed of hatred involved in the making of art, it could go either way. But this one, I think, went the way of prosperity. This title speaks to me, James. My life has changed now as I have committed to myself. I will let you know that. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to marry yourself? In a very tangible way, I have gone to the town hall and asked them if I could marry myself. They kicked me out. And they said never to come back, which I fully understand. The restraining order was already in place. This was the sad episode. The sad one. The one that was not as funny or dramatic, just mostly tragic and sad. Before we start the recap, just a quick shout out. We do have a Patreon if you'd like to support the show, where we have a lot of bonus content. You can chat with Ryan and I in our patrons-only Discord, and then Ryan will shout your name out at the end of each show. Your support helps us keep our show advertiser-free and editorially independent go over there one or more dollars a month there's going to be a golden globes bonus episode this week and you're gonna like what you hear i guarantee it sidebar you know why that guy had to stop doing commercials is he a nazi the or warehouse guy? <laughs> no no he his his name is george zimmerman oh <laughs> Oof. tough times george yeah yeah that sucks yeah <laughs> it's like well i didn't do anything what if the leader of the World Health Organization was named Adolf Hitler and he's just like, listen, I didn't do this, okay? And also, I'm good at my job. I'm like, no, you gotta go, Hitler. It starts with Barry waking up in Sally's bedroom and already, like, from this scene, we kind of see that, like, Barry, a little bit socially awkward, assumes that, like, this sexual encounter that they had last night like means something it means something to him but uh apparently not that much to sally you see sally is a modern hollywood la gal and barry is a wisconsin guy so he's like well the you have sex with somebody you're married a month later right that's correct the engagement ring comes right after you do that's it was that a gross sentence i fuck <laughs> no, that's a good one that was a good one keep it in Let's get fucking weird. <laughs> Sally kicks him out pretty unceremoniously. She's like, yeah, I got an audition, so uh, if you could go. like, 
Actually, you know, if you could have just have left last night after banging, yeah. that would have been ideal. That would have been good if you could <laughs> fuck off. This is after Sally helps Barry make a Facebook, which is dangerous as fuck. Barry's just elated to be doing any normal shit. Sally finds his old friend, Chris Licato. He served in Afghanistan with. Right. And, you know, this is like new people being brought into Barry's mess. I do not envy them. Chris has a kid and a wife. He's so vulnerable. Barry meets back up with Fuchs after this, and uh, he's like, great work on killing Paco. Here's your cut. And he gives Barry, like, a solid, like, one-third of the money and then takes the rest for himself. He puts it in the cookie jar, which seems to have a large amount of money. He's patting himself on the back, saying that he mind-fucked Stove Cut to death. Right, which is not what happened. That is not what happened. We were there. We know. But the raid is still occurring. Barry says yes to it because it is... Negative in many ways, but in one way that it's positive is that they get to stay in L.A. where his new girlfriend is. Yeah, but he obviously doesn't want to do it. He's like, oh, I'm kind of a hitman. I'm not like John Wick. I'm not trying to walk into a building and fight ten people at once. Yeah, you might have signed me up for something that's not doable. I am not a one-man army. Sally goes to see her asshole scumbag agent. Almost agent. Not even agent yet. Right. He's what temping her and and he's landed her an audition and she's like so if i get this do you want to represent me for real and he's like only if you fuck me and she's like uh i i don't i don't want to fuck you and he's like that's just a funny joke get out oh the old signer fuck crossroads i think we've all been there james this scene made me feel uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. it made my skin crawl uh, just just like secondhand embarrassment out the wazoo. Can you recall what piece of entertainment made you feel the most secondhand embarrassment? I can't watch shit like Borat or uh, what's that? Like Bruno Man, because I get like so cringe and like embarrassed on their behalf. Like, did you watch the new Borat? Yeah, the scene where like Borat's daughter is teaching. The Republican Ladies Caucus about masturbation. I had to skip through, man. I couldn't. I couldn't bear it. <laughs> like <laughs> physically and mentally, cannot take it. I, I, I guess I'm a little better than you, but not by much. I, for people who enjoy The Office, there is a particular episode called Scott's Tots, which is torture for many to actually try to sit through. On the seventh or eighth viewing, it becomes fun and funny. But on one through six, it is truly horrible. So when Sally, after that, goes to do her audition, they're like, hey, uh, we didn't have your name on the list. And it said that you were referred by your agent. But it turns out your agent doesn't represent you, which is such a horrible thing to do to somebody. Yeah. And like, obviously, Sally is humiliated and devastated and, and like leaves as quickly as she can and breaks down in her car, which is like, I, I have actually been in a situation somewhat similar. It was not an audition, but it was like a, a, it was a, it it was the day where they were interviewing a lot of people for a job, which I really wanted. And like more or less, I was like out the door before the interview and someone comes out and they're like, yeah, yeah, we're checking your resume, and we're not, you're not really qualified, so we're not going to interview you. And they're saying this in front of everyone else, and I was like, okay, <laughs> thanks. So how much did you cry in your car? Um, I was extremely upset. But, uh, <laughs> you want to dive yeah. into it? <laughs> 
No. Okay. But but I I I I had flashbacks of that memory when this happened to Sally. Um, <laughs> And I fell for her because she's such a constantly optimistic person. That's why she believed her agent when he's when he's like, "Oh, I wasn't making a pass at you. That was just a uh, uh, an off color joke." It's tough. Like this show really kicks the shit out of her on a constant basis, a amount that does not seem earned. But at the same time, there are moments of ego checks and divorce from reality especially when it comes to relationships with other human beings and not her career that she definitely missteps on and it it makes it harder to be empathetic 100 percent of the time but the show again just really keeps punching her in the gut so it, it is a nice balance of like oh, this lady is kind of a dickhead but she's sad all the time for a good reason and i don't know how to feel there's an amazing scene in the acting class where you actually get, oh, like, oh, Gene might be a good teacher here. Like, because Barry is doing one of the best monologues of any play ever. He's doing the Brass Balls monologue from Glen Gary, Glen Ross, which if you haven't seen that play, you can just watch the movie. The movie's a very amazing adaptation of the play. In the movie, this is Alec Baldwin's role. He comes in, delivers the monologue that Barry is doing, and that's like that's the only part his character has. He comes in, dresses down all the other main characters, and then leaves. And it's an amazing monologue and an amazing play. Honestly, one I think you probably like a lot, Ryan. I've seen the and, movie. Uh, Actually, I know a lot. Okay. I know weirdly a lot about it. Alec Baldwin's character was created for the movie. He's not in the play. Okay, that monologue is was created for the movie specifically the al pacino monologue later is like the big play monologue but uh alec mm-hmm. baldwin's monologue at the beginning is a as you said addressing down ed harris is there the man in black from westworld as is jack lemon as is kevin spacey oops and <laughs> and alec baldwin i mean this is one of the most iconic monologues of all time and then the way barry asked for help he wanted sally's help about this mammoth monologue and nobody helped him and he's never seen the movie obviously and the way he interprets the scene like he he does he's like giving a pep talk which honestly that's like a valid reading of the scene i always kind of interpreted it as alec baldwin's character is not really angry with them He's thinking like, oh, I need to give them the kick in the ass to get them motivated, so I'll shame them into it. Yes. And it's a terrible it's a terrible way to go about what he wants, but I always thought that like Alec Baldwin's character thinks he's doing a good thing here. Yeah. He's taking power in a situation, power in a room that especially like has Ed Harris who's like, No, I want the power back in the situation. And then when he tries to get it back, Alec Baldwin tells him to fuck himself. But yeah, Barry is doing it like it's an icebreaker at a corporate event rather than a verbal abuse of people in a room. He's doing it like in a feet chode with a smile on his face. And oh my god, this scene was so stupidly good. Yeah, he's like, I want you to get mad, you sons of bitches. <laughs> like <laughs> Bill Hader's giant smile was just murdering me. And then Gene just tells Barry exactly what he needs to hear. He's like, every role you play is a spineless doormat, which is probably because you, Barry, yourself are a spineless doormat, and I need you to find a little, like, strength of will, a little self-determination, because guess what? Not every character is you, and you're going to at least need to pretend to be someone 
with a personality, someone with desires. He's like, what do you want? He's like, I want to take this class. He's like, well, then make me believe it or you're out. Which he's totally not going to be out. If he keeps paying Gene Cousineau, he's going to be able to keep going. These are just empty threats. (laughs) This is the Gene's go-to move of dressing down a lot like Alec Baldwin did in Glengarry Glen Ross. But uh, we don't get to see the next version of Barry Block's acting as it cuts immediately to him taking Gene Cousineau advice and walking up to Fuchs and yelling at him, probably for the first time in his entire life. Right, but laying it all out there. He's like, listen, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not happy. You don't listen to me. You don't care what I want. You got enough money out of this. I'm done. I'm done. Fuck you. (laughs) And as he leaves, he shoulder checks a brick wall, which just completely ruins the moment and I hope was an improv although if it was written it's also just just fine but yeah fuchs then moves the pieces of paper to the side that barry threw on the ground and takes his golf shot anyway he doesn't seem negatively he's not he's not bothered at all because he knows like oh i'll just manipulate barry like this is right a minor setback he can yell at me all he wants the moment i confront him he will be said if he chode once more the nice comedy relief scene that we get throughout this episode is gene basically tricking detective moss into going on a date with him he's like i have some important information about ryan uh yeah i only want i don't want to tell you on the phone can you meet me in person and and she thinks they're meeting at a coffee shop and it's like a fancy italian restaurant (laughs) and he tricks her into having dinner with him for shitty, for no information, he's like, you know, Ryan Kubler was just his stage name. She's like, yeah, everyone knows that. What did you just say his last name was? Kubler? <laughs> Is that no. His name? No? I, you made that, you not only made something up, you made something up that's not even, his name is Ryan Madison. Who's Ryan Kubler? I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Ryan Coogler is an American film director, producer, and screenwriter. Oh, good. <laughs> ah, he directed Black Panther. That's who Ryan uh, is. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you got it. But I would agree. I think this scene, or at least all the scenes with Gene Cousineau, we get to see his acting career trying out for Guy in Back of Line, and we get to see Detective Moss out in the real world trying to get information out of a dumb, dumb Gene Cousineau. But this through line is like the lifeblood of the episode. I love it so much. And and it's a little bit sad and embarrassing for Gene that he's auditioning for Guy in the Back of the Line, but he kills it. He nails the Guy in the Back of the Line audition, I thought. I think he's just very good at auditioning. He's done it so many times. He's like, I'm going to give you two of these, two versions of this. Do you need anything else? Okay, right. later. And he, he does like normal and then Brooklyn guy. Yeah. <laughs> hey! We're waiting in line over here. We're walking here with that guy in the line. So he has a wide range. But Gene is like able to charm Moss a little bit and, and get her to lower her defenses. She doesn't seem that into him, but she does seem to find him like funny or pathetic. And she enjoys him in that way. And, but he's loving it. He's like, oh, I've got, I've got it right where I want her. But then as soon as she gets a text from work, she's out of there. He's like, okay, but let's do this again next week. And she's like, no. <laughs> and and Jean says, "Well, think about it. I won't." Yeah, she's thinking about it though. I think more than she would let on. At some point, she was just like, "I want to rock you like a baby," and he was like, "I would let you rock me like a baby." Then they get back to 
the police station where they've still been working on the spy cam. They brought in a Chechnyan technician to come check it out, and he actually has cracked it. And so they have a picture of Barry, but it's completely indecipherable. It it doesn't look like him at all, which is lucky for him. Moss says the line, if you knew this guy, you would know who it was, which I'm not sure you would. But the point of it is, you know, we're halfway through this season already, and there's a picture of Barry. Granted, it's very dark, but and there's no, thankfully, like CSI enhance enhance because you can't but uh yeah she knows who she's looking for a a dude that's barry's height with barry's ears although now they do have like ai that can kind of take a really pixelated face and and make like a a somewhat approximation of it but pretty sure like you know the lapd doesn't have that like the cia has that like (laughs) yeah it's special information or it's special software it's adobe illustrator so this is the saddest and most pathetic part of the episode. Barry getting like way ahead of himself again, completely misinterpreting his relationship with Sally, goes and buys her a brand new MacBook, which if we're talking like 20, 2020 MacBook, we're looking at what, like $2,500? Yeah, too much. <laughs> and thinking that this will wow her because her computer screen was cracked or whatever. And then fantasizing that like they're going to be married and famous actors and friends with John Hamm. And it's just like, dude, Barry, best case scenario, you get some work on like the community theater level and do a good job and don't embarrass yourself. (laughs) He's daydreaming. Sally has an engagement ring on. She's like, I just knew when Barry bought me a laptop, he just knew what he wanted and he was going to get it. And then Barry is confident, winks at her. Then John motherfucking Ham walks over to him. They barbecue together. They're very close friends. John Ham is very proud of him. And then he's like, hey, I have to go take a shit in your in your house. And Barry's like, I have five guest rooms. You can t- pick whatever one. And that's just typical John Ham, always full of shit. But he's he's daydreaming about he bought that laptop with blood money. It's it's mm-hmm. weird. <laughs> yeah. He killed Paco for that. So the party is a fucking disaster. Uh, there's some slightly famous actor there who Sally is far more interested in than Barry. And he, I don't know, he's like the star of the show, basically. Everyone's excited to meet him. He did a motion capture performance for the live-action adaptation of Pinocchio, but he didn't do any of the voice work. He just did the mo-cap, which, uh, okay, good for you, man. It's a sad amount of non-fame that still gets this party a-going. He is Zach Burroughs, friend of Natalie, played by Darcy Carden, and it's kind of the whole reason that the party is happening. In the first place, Barry shows up with a J. Crew mannequin, just like whatever it was wearing, he's wearing. He has the laptop in his hand, and he tries to go over and give it to Sally, and it goes perfectly. Now they're married. She's weirded out as you would be, man. And uh, I had a friend, and I won't name him because this is a, a completely embarrassing story. I don't even know if you ever. Is met his name guy, Ryan I, Brady? <laughs> no. Fuck. Not way to dox yourself. <laughs> I don't care about people knowing um, my name. <laughs> yeah, what's your address, by the way? My Twitter handle is Ryan Brady thirteen. <laughs> he had become quite taken with this girl who was actually 
this girl was the lead in the play that I was in. And I swear, this is not a story about me. Before you know, it's not a story about me. It's about a story of my roommate. Whoa, man. Okay? I, I wasn't, <laughs> uh, wasn't, wasn't going to say you was. Now I think it is. He was really taken with <laughs> the star of the show. So he comes up with this idea. He's like, I know. Um, at, at the end of the last show, I'll give her a gift and ask her out. And she'll totally be into it. And, and you know, it goes without saying, I'm sure everyone can assume this girl, not at, not at all in his league, completely out of his league. And they had the barest bones of, of uh, a relationship. Like they had, they knew each other a teeny tiny bit. And so th- listen to this. What he did was he opened up like 20 packets of M&Ms, right? Mm-hmm. And he bought a nice like, like bottle, a glass vase or bottle or whatever with a stopper. And he arranged them in levels by color of M&M, like a little rainbow. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then at, at the end, <laughs> at the last show, and I was here for this because I was in the show. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he, he presented to her. He's like, hey, I really loved the show. You did such a good job. You know, I'm really proud of you. I wanted you to have this. This is on stage in front of people? Show. No, this is the end of the show when people are like, you know, milling oh, around. thank Christ. And uh, I'd, I'd like to ask you out. And she's like, thanks, but no thanks. Okay, have a good night. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then he brings the M&Ms home. And uh, Just... me and, and my friend Sean, who are both like fat boys, we eat all the M&Ms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. In front of him, be like, that is a bummer. These are good, though. I'll tell you. Well, he was just like, who wants the M&Ms? And we're like, yoink. Yeah, those are ours now. <laughs> They're, are they peanut? Well, they should have been peanut. That's why she said no to you. If they were peanut M&Ms, she and you would be dating right now. So, yeah, that's what this made me think of. Like, here, have this this you know gift that you didn't ask for and that we don't really know each other that well enough uh, to be exchanging gifts. And she just doesn't take it. And then... Barry has also invited his friends to this party, which was supposed to be, like, acting class people only. And I liked this exchange here where he's with his old army buddy. And honestly, man, I'm, I do this sometimes. I'm sure you do, 100%. too. When you're with guys that you don't know that well, you lower your voice and you're just like, yeah, fucking yeah, man. <laughs> fucking well, cool, bro. Fucking yeah, yeah. I don't think it's not that they don't know him very well. P.S. Not army guys. Marine guys. People who are in the Marines would be like, okay, mm-hmm. get it right. But no, I think this is Barry being around somebody he was in the service with, feeling very comfortable with him and talking like they used to talk when they were on a hill in Afghanistan, right? They said fuck every other word and, uh, you know, fucking kids, am I right? Oh my God, fucking kids. That is crazy. Fuck, man. And it's like you see Barry in a more comfortable way than you, I, I have ever. He's talking to his friend Chris, played by Chris Marquette who plays the nerd best friend in, like, many a movie. But also, in this moment, we are introduced to Chris's two friends who he also brought here, Taylor and Vaughn. And as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, this is solving a problem. Barry's about to go into a stash house. He needs more people than him. These are the people. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I didn't even think about that uh, until it happens. But, but, but first, like... They ask Barry, you know, if he's banging one of the girls from class. He's like, that's my girlfriend right there, pointing at Sally. Sally now flirting with Pinocchio. <laughs> he's a real boy. And so now Barry goes over to uh, act like a tough guy or whatever. He's like, hey, Pinocchio, that's my girl. Why don't you shove off? And 
And Sally's like, I'm not your girl. You don't own me. I'm really sick of people basically objectifying me. And she tells Barry to fuck off. And she leaves with Pinocchio. And then Chris's friends embarrass everyone at the party. And so they have to leave. And then they kind of, they're going to go drink at the Dodgers Stadium parking lot. Yeah, I don't know if that's a thing. But apparently it might be a thing. (laughs) And one of the meatheads gets in the car with Barry. And he basically clocks him as some kind of criminal. And he's also been looking through Barry's shit, like the case notes of the assault on the the cell house that he's going to do. And he's like, I want in. And Barry looks horrified. And that's the end. And uh, I got to say, this was such a downer of an episode, but I really like that, man. I think we're now... We're leaning more towards like Breaking Bad yes. territory. We forgot of like we, we can... forgot one thing. Hmm. Fuchs followed yeah. Barry to the party. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and... right. Fuchs put leans on him, and it's like you know I could blow the the whole game right here to all your nice friends, or you could uh, we could stay partners and, and have a nice relationship. Fuchs laying down. I still have power over you. I followed you here. You didn't even notice that, which is bad because it's like your whole job. Yeah, Barry's the worst at noticing when he's being followed. <laughs> and then I'm standing here. This is right before Chris also gets there. It's an eventful night, and Fuchs's face is all messed up from being a prisoner. And he's like, I mean, I'm I get it now. You're still in the class. You don't want to leave. But just know, like, all I have to do is like go talk to everyone in this room and tell them what you really do and who you really are. So. Here he is, uh, your envelope back. You're going to be taking down the Bolivian stash house. And, yeah, so Barry back in it. Can't escape. So now he truly is, like, his day job is assassin, and he's going to try to moonlight as an actor. But I agree. It was less of a comedy this episode, for sure. It was more tragedy. It was more cringeworthy. It made you ask more questions of the characters. It made the characters more interesting, but there was no slapstick. Like you recall, you go back in to Goran's garage where the apron guy is. And Noho Hank. We didn't get any Goran and no Noho right, Hank. Exactly. Man. Brutal. We, but I think that's the case. Like if you don't have Noho Hank in an episode, that's what this the episode's vibe is gonna be. Right? Like you can't just go to Noho Hank in the middle of an episode and it really while well, the vibe is like this is my life. This is what I want it to be. And it can't be threatened or, and as it's being threatened and we're watching the threat in real time, the uh, edge of the seat content that it is. And then you go to know Hank being like, how are you, Barry? <laughs> like, it's just not, that's the thing. I don't think that the tone shift is, is good. And I'm glad it didn't happen. I hope that we lean harder into like the, the dark aspect of the dark comedy, right? Because, you know, I like the moments of levity in this, in, in, in a more dramatic show, for example, like Breaking Bad or Mr. Robot or, or Fargo or something like that. But I really like when they balance the line of like comedy and, and drama. And I could see Barry, like, by the end of the show, like, if it runs like four or five seasons or something. I could see it getting real serious and real dark, and, I, and I'm interested in that. I don't see how anyone close to Barry lives long-term, truly. Like, uh, every time a new character is introduced, I'm like, this is just the beginning of their death sentence, and it might be shorter or it might be long, 
But I mean, he is lying actively and his life is becoming more and more complicated. And, like that moment where Fuchs is just next to him at the party. I was like, oh, this is the feeling I'm going to get multiple times from this show. Like, oh, shit. And then I'm like, oh, man, I wish Noho Hank would be here to say something funny. <laughs> right. Come come back, Noho Hank. Say something stupid. <laughs> Uh, I will ask you, you're currently doing two podcasts at once, one with our pal Chad and one mm-hmm. this one for Barry, uh, as, you know, Barry is the flagship show on HBO, but I doubt it's hitting anything. Like, I doubt it's even coming close to WandaVision numbers because, you know, uh, Marvel Universe, Disney Plus, pro- uh, probably flagship show right now for sure, right? I'm not going to ask you which one you like better because I don't think it matters. But what is like, what's your headspace during both shows and how does it change? You know what I mean? Uh, I, I, I think I'm a bit more like geeky and obsessive about WandaVision just because that's like a guilty pleasure of mine that I'm really into like MCU shit um, as a man in my early 30s. But hey, you know what? You don't, you don't have uh, to apologize. Yeah, you're not, I don't, I'm not asking for one. <laughs> I also love that shit. And, uh, you know, it, it is, it's a bit more actually like traditional James and Ryan theory casting. It really is. <laughs> like we used to do back when, you know, there was a an HBO show that was original content and that you couldn't immediately read all the spoilers for, so you knew exactly what was going to happen, you know? which So we, have, we haven't had that since, since I guess, since Raised by yes. Wolves. Because, <laughs> like, you knew what was going to happen in Lovecraft Country, and you knew what was going to happen... In, in the Golden Compass as well. Yeah, and Perry Mason, and to a extent, a little bit to an extent of Watchmen. So it it, it, it is fun. And that, that's why I thought uh, you were going to join us this week would be fun. Instead, it was just emotional manipulation, yep. and you didn't actually That's show correct. Up. I hope um, to do it many a time, many a more time. But again, you guys, uh, you guys know so much more than me about Marvel. I, I like, I liked just listening to it as a, as a, as a piece of entertainment. Or just kind of divorced from it, mm-hmm. but I will be on it in the future. Well, uh, you know, yeah, in the future, and then next month we're gonna have uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier as like the James and and Chad yep. show, and, I, and I'd love to have you on that uh, because I'm sure you're. Gonna I'm hate gonna it. hate that shit. I know I am. And Wandavision so far is actually good. I, I'm annoyed by the first. I was annoyed slightly by the first three episodes, but the fourth episode like tied it together, and I'm I'm on board now. But Falcon the Winter Soldier, I think, is going to be actual horse pussy. So I do look forward to uh, being on that show. Honestly, podcasts, I think, are more fun when you hate them. And guys, check out, uh, if you're a patron, check out our our, uh, 2021 prediction show. And if you're not a patron, become a patron and listen to it. Because it's really funny. We have a nice in-depth discussion of all the shit coming out this year and what we think is going to be good and what we think is going to suck. Uh, Chad ruined it with his bad mic, but you can just skip over the parts where Chad's talking and just listen to Ryan. Fuck Chad. Yeah. Uh, do what I do in real life. Skip over the parts where Chad's talking. All right. And then we uh, really appreciate it if you're listening, guys. You know, we do this mostly as a hobby and for fun. And the fact that we have a good deal of listeners, at least as, as far as I'm concerned, is really nice. Uh, and so please keep listening. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can find us on social media on Twitter. He's at Westworld Ryan, and I'm at James Watches Men. We also have a Facebook page. You can leave us a nice review on any podcast app that you're listening to this on. If you'd like to underwrite the show and get access to some of those patrons-only benefits like bonus content and chatting with Ryan and I, that's patreon.com slash H-B-O-B-O-I-Z. And uh, if you are a supporter, 
get your name shouted out at the end of each episode. That's happening right now. Jamie Lochner, Anthony Wells, Hardwell, Greg, Nicole, Dan Live of Podcast, James Watch My Dawn, Cliff Wilding, Atheism Unstoppable, Chris Wood, Brinkin, Day Live in Westworld, Craig, Bakaman, John Jers, Major Woody, and Carol Andreas. Thank you much for the money that you give us. And if you give it to us next month, I'll keep saying your name. And we'll be back uh, in one week for Barry Season 1, Episode 5, as well as WandaVision, Episodes 5 and 6. That'll be on Monday. Yeah, and Hunter Hunter, Episode 20, on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. And I've been really busy getting ready for my job. I'm a professor, and I have a semester starting up soon. Uh, schedule's a little wonky in Korea. I'm, I'm going back to work next week. And so as soon as I am done getting all my ducks in a row, I'm going to finish writing up the last, well, part three of our Call of Cthulhu campaign. I don't think it'll be the last one, but it's the I last part of this, this I campaign. I can't wait so much. I'm so excited. It's going to be so great.